I'm Lizanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who works with all earthlings to reunite them within themselves and with each other, regardless of the dimension they're currently in. I'm a medium as well as an animal communicator, medical intuitive, and channel for all beings. I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support animals and humans as they heal from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animals I View podcast. Back to the newspaper we go as it's my weekend tradition to read it in person because I take pleasure in doing that. <laughs> Just like I've discovered that books on tape and such isn't isn't for me. And I freely admit, maybe it's my age and perhaps like reading the paper. I experience joy in turning the pages, using special bookmarks to keep my place in the book that awaits me usually at the end of the day. So naturally, the catalyst for this podcast comes from our favorite, the New York Times, with the article entitled, I kid you not, Puppies on Prozac, How to Handle Your Pet's Anxiety. And perhaps maybe the article was titled this way, so as to have a pretty good size hook. My response was, oh my goodness, how can so much be so wrong with nine words? (laughs) There have been other books written about OCD and other air quotes, mental illnesses in particularly dogs in the last several years. And again, honestly, words fail me that humans do not see the bad hair day mirrored in their animal's behavior, particularly because of the still present stigma we may attach as a species to the words mental and illness. It's as if we are in a separate vacuum or dimension that exists apart from our companion animals, so that when their behavior which, to be clear, is usually a red flag, nonverbal warning that something is amiss in their environment, we quite easily point the finger at them and say, fix it, capital letters for emphasis. Which, come to think of it, is exactly how most humans think in the realm of relationships. We rarely take a look at our own energy first and say, yeah, I've been fairly stressed at work and worried about giving everyone the time I want to give them, including myself. Because, to be clear, the relationship you have with your animal companion is as different on the outside as it is on the inside. And yet, whoo boy howdy, to quote my oldest sibling, we really are slow on the uptake with this. We continue to objectify, we continue to infantilize our animals and their wisdom, and we go way too, way the F far when we cast aspersions on their mental health, which is entirely of our making. And to be fair, let's say probably 80 to 85% of our making. And perhaps innocently intentioned at the outset, and because it's not based in balance and partnership, it's like we're looking to have all the polished gems in the world living with us in the form of animals, because that's how we see them, marveling at their perfection, which no doubt is a reflection of ourselves. When in truth, the only diamond that needs to be polished is the human one. It is honestly such a tragedy to me that so many of us point the finger first, put them in the box of having anxiety, and start medicating without at least first asking the most important question of all. 
the looking in the mirror on a bad hair day question of how am I contributing and or causing their anxiety? And you know, it's not that I'm anti-medication for anyone, including myself, especially if that medicine either plant or human-based is pointed towards the same vibration and frequency as health and well-being for the body. Because in truth, it needs to be compatible with highest and best good and not given in an effort to either mask the symptoms of what's going on in the body or to, in the case of our companion animals, manage their behavior when the guardian isn't doing their utmost to shift the energetic environment first by addressing their own energy and shifting that so their animal companion will follow. Because that's how it works, folks. In spite of almost 90% of my clientele being made up of guardians who call with behavior issues and asking me to ask their animal family member to stop doing X or to start doing Y, that's not exactly how animal communication works. Just a public service announcement. And you know, I get it. In the name itself, communicating, which, here's our friend spelling, by definition, is defined as a process by which information is exchanged between individuals through a common system of symbols, signs, or behavior. And the second part of that, animal, defined as having more than one cell, ingesting other food for nutrition, being able to move independently, etc. And yet, even with the communication piece, there's an assumption, right? Or at least I have run into that assumption. Do what I tell you to do via an intermediary, in this case, moi. So asking the question of, when was the last time you were in a relationship when someone said, as far as your behavior goes, do what I tell you to do in which you felt it was okay for them to do that, meaning tell you how to act. I am fairly certain (laughs) those times may have gone back to your childhood days, I hope anyway, and even then, and especially now, more aware parenting styles are calling for different ways to communicate with and or to teach, to guide, to protect, which is literally the definition of guardian, are the better way to go, which is where humans get stuck with our companion animals. Because we perceive them to be our children and we want them to be well-behaved, not cause any problems and be those jewels, and because we are literally responsible for their lives, food, shelter, health care, etc., perhaps we feel it's okay for us to say, well, Fluffy, it looks like it's the highway or my way. Because that's how it comes across energy-wise, and that exactly is what I'll hear from Sweet Fluffy when you ask me to tell them to use the litter box or to stop barking every time the doorbell rings. Honestly, if I did hold power like that to control the behavior of others, well, to be honest, I don't think I'd want it. Most guardians find it difficult to believe when I tell them how much more empowered they are to shift the behavior of their animal family member, and in part, I think that comes from the structure of human experience that we lack awareness of our own selves, period. And enough said about that for now. 
And in point of fact, I've run across the over-medicating or mis-medicating many times in my animal communication career, and I can also count on one hand the number of times that I've advocated for anxiety medication or something similar for animals because I followed the lead of the animal to that place. So I think this begs the question, why the sudden interest in medicating? My hunch is that absent introspection and as our own worlds, if you will, become more laden with the perception of stress, it all flows downhill. And then just one more thing added to our list becomes the one thing too much, and we want to reach for the easy fix. Because after all, when the article mentioned that likely because of the pandemic, 23 million households adopted animals between March 2020 and May 2021, right smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. And so then, as our worlds gradually shifted back to a new normal, so did we, and now there are more wrinkles than ever. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to add more members to your family as long as your reason why, because heads up, I'll get asked if that's an issue by the animals for an answer to that why, matches up with compassion, love, and a full embrace of who they are. It's called adoption for a reason. And as I've mentioned before, animals have a much different relationship with their bodies than we do. Or, you know, perhaps it's more accurate to say that without a middle person in the form of another human, aka doctor, that we put in that same relationship, perhaps we'd have the same communication, the sharing of information with our bodies that they do with their bodies. Because You see, nothing is ever really wrong from an animal's body from their perspective. It is merely data that they receive to inform them of what action or thought or emotion to do or to have next. A good example of this can be seen when after surgery, to repair or from the animal's perspective, rebalance the energy of the body and or a body part, Instructions from the veterinarian are something along the lines of, now you've got to keep them quiet and stop any jumping around or other such actions for six to ten weeks. And we understand that to a certain extent, but underlying that, why is that? Well, if the presence of the pain or discomfort, more accurately, has been shifted away from, say, a torn CCL or an ACL, cranial cruciate ligament or anterior cruciate ligament in the stifle, aka knee joint, even though there's been invasive surgery, the rebalancing effect of the discomfort gives an immediate message to the animal who interprets it rightly so as to say, well, okay now, that feels so much better. Where's the nearest squirrel to chase? (laughs) Again, It's data because there is very little emotional attachment to having a knee replaced or repaired. There's just the next moment of joy because there is less discomfort. And certainly while the joint itself is healing, supervised crate rest and activity is optimal so that there isn't a re-injury of the same joint. And from the animal's perspective, I might hear or feel a, oh, this is great. I can't wait to jump again because that's my favorite thing. The vet might prescribe a sedative during this recovery period. And from the animal's perspective, if it doesn't serve their body, 
they will share with me the dry mouth and the mentally fuzzy effect of the sedative and be quite clear that this isn't necessary and it's not comfortable, meaning it can be handled in a much different way. That's where the guardian comes in because how you all as guardians manage their recovery and how you manage your own anxiety about their recovery is everything. Because of this fabulous ongoing conversation the animal has with their body, the illness component for behavioral issues, such as other imbalances for, say, for instance, thyroid, diabetes, um, electrical system shortages, aka seizures, will also be brought forward with absolutely no embarrassment or shame or guilt at all. There's never any, oh, I hate that this is going on or I feel badly that this has to get fixed, or I worry that it won't get fixed, etc., that humans usually have. It is just a compassionate embrace of the organic vehicle for the soul known as a body on this planet, and a desire for the current imbalance to be shifted back to the center of light and contrast. There is never a denial of what's present, there is only ever a willingness to do whatever it takes to get back to joy. So as a health slash medical intuitive, all of that information is shared with me openly and without reservation in surprising ways. It's always interesting to me to feel how my body is the main vehicle for this communication interprets the energy. For instance, my perception, keyword, is that if the blood in my body feels like it's moving sluggishly, that may be an indicator of diabetes or some other systemic issue related to circulation. I will feel the organs involved. I may even feel details such as, gosh, no, it's not my C3, it's actually my C5, as in the cervical vertebrae area that's causing the issue. And so I will feel past injuries as well as previous fractures and or surgeries as well. And oftentimes I'll receive an indicator of what may be happening in the future with this energy of the physical body. It's a really interesting, a subtle and definite shift of energy if it's related to the future. And as I'm always following their lead, if a new issue comes up, say with ears or another body part, often the guardian will say, oh, that's Fido and not Fluffy. And sometimes even, well, Susie, my daughter, has been having an ear infection for the past week. You see how this would be good because of the language of energy. Everyone is brought to the forefront in a home if the animal perceives that there is something that either needs attention and or is impacting the overall energetic environment. Because if Susie is two years old and perhaps just learning how to verbalize what hurts, she may cry more because of the discomfort and in turn, Fido or Fluffy might say, ouch, my own ears, and she's pretty loud. And at the same time, it's always with a compassion and just a, so, okay, you've asked me, here's what the answer is. Everything and everyone is fair game. So within an environment for a particularly hardwired nervous system kind of animal, little Susie having an ear infection may definitely contribute to their anxiety. And if this happens on an ongoing basis, it's not the dog necessarily 
the animal wants to bring that forward because for them, having this kind of noise quotient in their environment is causing them to begin to have anxiety. And the more that the guardian can get a heads up on this, the better they can understand why the animal's behavior is suddenly shifted. Again, those red flag indicators. And so because it's all energy related and humans not be conversant in this energy, it's easy enough for us to point fingers and say, Fluffy needs to understand that scratching is not okay and that not using the litter box is also not okay. And honestly, the most important thing for me to facilitate is the relationship between human and animal. I am just the interpreter and the translator for the thoughts, emotions, and physical information from the animal to the human and back again. I have absolutely no control over how that information is going to be received by the human. And there are times when the crazy is, the human, tongue-in-cheek, correlates exactly with the crazy does, the behavior of the animal. Again, we don't live in a vacuum apart from them, and we simply aren't going to be any more willing to accept the quite clearly mirrored aspect of our own behavior from a beloved animal from whom we only want unconditional love than we are with any other contrast on the planet. That's how humans roll at this point in time. I mentioned the times that I have advocated for actual anxiety medication versus Prozac, which, in case you're not familiar, the latter, Prozac, is an antidepressant. It doesn't serve the purpose of calming anxiety. I've had many conversations with clients about that. The times where I have advocated for the anti-anxiety have been most often in the cases of traumatic brain injury and two memories come forward. One was a retired greyhound who had experienced a blow to the head resulting in TBI. And because the organ of the brain itself had been so altered, the ability to naturally shift and flow with environmental energy was gone. And on a side note, it's also been my experience that guardians are sometimes reluctant to start medication with their companion animals sometimes, either because of their own feeling about mental health meds let's be honest, or because of the perceived side effect of the drug. In this greyhound's case, and I remember the feeling from the guardians, because they came back to me after the initial session, his world became so much more manageable for him, and by extension then for his guardians to create an environment with him in which all beings could better thrive. It was a win-win across the board. Another case was a rescued Mustang who had also experienced a TBI and again was simply not able to process the information necessary in which to live a healthy and joyful life. I don't know if that was followed through on by that guardian and in both cases, it was the animal who openly shared the reason behind the behavior and actually asked for medication. The bottom line is, why wouldn't we ask them, how can we best serve you? Why wouldn't we ask them, what can I be doing or stop doing so that as I shift my energy, you will be motivated to shift yours? 
Why instead are we simply reaching for the bottle of pills to silence them when we could be lifting them up so that they can experience more joy in their lives, and by extension then, we experience more joy in our lives? It's a slippery slope indeed, this rise in medication for mental illness in our companion animals, and even seeing them as having mental illness. Trust me. Every single time there is a human and or a past experience with a human underlying this anxiety or this PTSD, that, my friends, you can take to the bank. And so animals would state in unison, medicate yourselves first with more joy, more compassion, and less stress. And then we'll see how everyone feels together. And at least that's how the animals see it. Thanks for listening today. Leave a review if you're so inspired and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Reach out if you think I can be of service and to schedule online via www.lazanflynn.com. Come and find me on social media, Facebook, Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I encourage you to sign up for my quarterly newsletter on my website, where I also post notices for upcoming events, the starting date of courses in the Animals Eye View Academy, and online psychic fairs. On Wednesday, March the 8th at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, there will be a free Zoom in which you can learn all about the Master Language Immersion course that's set to start in June of this year. The link will be in my podcast footer, and I'll be sending out a reminder newsletter in February, so sign up for the newsletter. One of the requirements for the course is attunement to Reiki Level 1, which will be discussed during the Zoom meeting, and, you know, if you're listening to these podcasts on the regular, you're likely also becoming more sensitive to the world and to animals around you. Now, you may be thinking, how did she know that? Well, that's just how the language of energy works. There is no separation. Send me an email if you want to chat privately, which, of course, I will be happy to do. Tune in in two weeks' time where the message from our next animal ambassador is already waiting. This one is from Polar Bear, and the message is, just stop. This has been the Animal's Eye View podcast. I'll see you next time. Thank you.